Hello everybody, how are you doing today? It's a new day, it's a fresh day. I hope you're up shaking and baking. Welcome to the Powerful Podcast. I always say that all my guests are stellar guests. They are killers in their field and in their industry. And today, we've got an amazing guest today. This guy's a friend of mine. We've gone, we've gone way back. And um, arguably, Africa's number one business strategist. Seriously, he had dominated Nigeria, dominated Africa. Now he took his took his expertise and his influence in the United States of America. Mr. Steve Harris, welcome to the podcast, bro. How you doing, man? How you doing, man? Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me here. I finally yeah. made it. I'm going to finally <laughs> make it to the Paul Fove uh, podcast. So, yes, I am truly, awesome. I'm truly making a difference in my life. If you can get up here, I'm going to be in life. Oh, Steve Harris, I want to start this podcast from a certain place. You were the first person that actually, actually said that I dropped out of university in Nigeria. It was like a taboo in Nigeria. It's weird. And you didn't drop out once. You dropped out twice. And that's the part of the story that many people didn't know. That the first time you you dropped out of university was because you were not gelling with the course. You were not connecting with the course. And I remember you, in researching, you once said a very powerful statement. You said, you cannot teach a fish how to swim. Ooh, I was like, yeah. whoa. But the second time, of course, yeah. for other reasons, right? So tell us, yeah. why is it important that entrepreneurs start their business from their place of their natural habitat? I'm picking your words right now. Because if you have a training called stay in your natural habitat. <laughs> Yeah, that, that you've done the, you've done the research. Bro. I'm, I'm, I'm very humble. Yeah. yeah. Now, now I I do think that you know fish, like I say, fish don't fly. Fish don't take mm. swimming lessons, but they learn how to. They know how to swim. Birds don't mm. go to flight school, right? Fish mm. don't take swimming lessons. There's something inside of us that we are we're naturally wired and fired for. But the thing is, we don't we're we're, we're not introspective. We don't go into a place of discovery. We don't mm. go into a place of introspection. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are too caught up with the externals without recognizing that it's the internal environment that determines your external environment. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's your, I'll say that again. Your internal environment mm. will create your external environment. Mm. Right? Mm. So a lot of entrepreneurs is, are just chasing the wind outside as opposed to recognizing, you know, what, what's inside of me? What am I great at? What don't mm. I need any quote-unquote training for? Mm. And for me, initially, it, it came like I'm a communicator. You know, I, I used to get you know punished by my teachers for talking too much. Mm. You know, and this is what I do for a living. I talk. You know, I'm saying mm. I talk. It's now that the wisdom and the contents that is inside my brain, based on education, allows me to talk sense, develop strategy for corporations, and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, I think it's very important that every entrepreneur, you know, digs deep to find out what their natural habitat is. What, where, where, where's your place of dominion? Where's your place of ultimate power? Mm. Where's that place that you don't seem to need any training or anything? It just comes to you naturally. You know, if you look mm. at it, Paul, the top, look at the top one percent of people in most of their fields. These are people who truly love what they do. It's like they were born to do it. Look at Ronaldo, look at Messi. They were born yeah, to do it. Yes, Michael yes. Jackson, Beyonce, they were born to do it. LeBron, yeah. Michael Jordan, they were born to do it. Yeah. Right? So if you don't find what you're born to do, you know, you'll just you'll just die without ever discovering what it is. And I think that that's mm. uh, that's uh, that's something that we should never go through. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. In 2010, you started your business. 
um you, i mean you i believe that you said that you got the divine instruction from the lord to start your business and there was a line you used that was so powerful it said you were contented in being the best number two to the best number one i thought that was brilliant i thought that was brilliant and in 2010 you started your business yeah. you were sending out proposals over and over again you had a pregnant wife your rent was getting due you were yeah. sending out proposal what kind of conversation were you having in your head and what was pushing you forward while all of that was going on yeah it's a, it's a great question. Um, there were a lot of dark days and very um, long days, long nights of uncertainty where I wasn't sure if I was on the right path. You know, some days I would wake up and say, you know, who sent me a message? Um, but just like you said, I, I did feel, I did feel, I did feel a sense of divine assignment. My faith is very important to me, but I'm not one of those. I'm not very, for the lack of a better term, I, I, I'm not one to say that, oh, God said, God said, you know, mm -hmm. but I felt it was very strong. And like mm -hmm. I said, you know, um, Feladrotoy, who, 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 who was my boss and is still my mentor, um, took a chance on me. I was a college dropout, two-time college dropout. And then this guy takes a chance on me, cleans my rough edges, um, teaches me, you know, shows me the rope, teaches me the game. And I was very content to be the best number two to the best number one, because I feel like your assignments can be to either a place or a person. person and at that yeah. time of my life, my assignment was to a person. And I was very content being the best number two to the best number one. I mean, it's, it, it's very, you know, um, it intrigues me today when I see a lot of people who are in such a hurry to leave their jobs mm. to start businesses. And I, I don't have a problem with them starting businesses, but you've not develop that capacity. You know, everybody today wants to be CEO of me, myself, and, and I incorporated going mm. nowhere fast mm. um, without understanding that there's a place of service and learning and things like that. But anyway, everyone, everyone's journey is different. And, um, you know, I, I had risen in the organization from a two-time college dropout. My first role was an office assistant or a janitor. Mm. And from there, very quickly, within a couple of months, I became an associate consultant. Within a year, I became a consultant. Within a year, I became a senior consultant. Within In that mm. same year, I became head of our consulting group and so on and so forth. And I began to rise through the ranks where eventually I was deputizing, for the lack of a better term, for our CEO. And... Mm. Um, I, I would I was now at the place where I could think at strategic levels because I was a rainmaker, Paul. And you know, you're all about sales. You are the king mm. of sales undoubtedly. So you understand what it means that sales are the lifeblood of every yes, business. Of a cash business flow, yeah. You know, cash flow is always is, is, is important in every enterprise. And I was I was making it rain, man. I was just making it rain on a regular. And I was very, very content and very happy being that guy who had everyone covered and I was growing and I was learning and I was enjoying myself. And then I get this um, leading that it was time for me to leave and, and, and thank God for the beautiful women in our lives, our wives who are amazing. Um, I know your wife, she's amazing. I know she's your muse, how she inspires thank you. you. Mm. And, and the okay. same, and the same goes for my wife. And, you know, I remember when I told her eventually that I felt led that it was time for me to leave. I remember my wife said, you know, jump, God will catch you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, Shout out to my wife if she's listening. Um, but she said, jump, God will catch you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's easier said than done. It sounds very inspirational, motivational, but the reality of jumping without a parachute um, can be very dicey because I remember at the time when I left my job, I had 20,000 Naira in my account, which, you know, is about 20 pounds or something like that, which mm, yes. literally makes no sense. 
20 yes. pounds, my wife was pregnant, rent was due. I mean, who leaves a job and has only 20 pounds and starts on faith? And I, I, didn't, I didn't have an office. I didn't have a desk. So I started working from home because I'm a big believer. And I say it all the time that it's not what you don't have that limits you. It's what you have that you don't know how to don't use. use yeah. So I wasn't looking at what I didn't have. I just said, okay, what do I have? I, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have my living room. So I, I, you know, I got two paint buckets and I stacked them on top of each other. And I put my laptop on the paint buckets. And I would work from there. I would literally resume there from 8 a.m. and I'd get off by like 6 p.m. Right? Mm. I was obsessed. I was, I was obsessed because I needed to pay the bills. I was turning out proposals and I was getting tons of no's. But you know the thing about it, Paul? I just kept saying to myself, "Is all I need is one yes. That's all I need. I need one yes." So I didn't care how many no's I got. I just knew if I got one yes, my life will change. And Thankfully, my, you know, I, I did get that one yes and several year, yeses later and still to the point today where my yeses wait are, are far, far out. And I can't remember the last time I got a no. You know what I'm saying? I, I, mm -hmm. I'm grateful to be in a place where um, I am in demand. I'm oversubscribed. I'm incredibly mm -hmm. good at what I do, incredibly blessed to do what I do. And uh, yeah, but I think those dark days and long nights built a lot of capacity and fortitude and resilience and work ethic and hustle and grind, you know, allow me to say the Bible says about Paul, he said, you know, um, you know, we all paraphrasing, he says, all apostles have grace, but I labored more than all the apostles. Mm. Do you get what I mean? So yes, you may have the grace, but do you have the grind? And I think by the grace of God, I have both. So yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. If you had to do it all over again, right? Starting from the top now, what skill, what specific skill would you over-index in terms of developing first and why? Second question, a follow-up to that is if you had to do it all over again, I mean, you have staff you, in Nigeria and all that. I, I, of course, where you are, we have remote staff. And you had to employ a new set of staff. Which role would you employ first and why? Great question. Um, if I had to do it all over again and over index on any particular skill, it would be the, mm. the, the skill of persuasion, the ability to persuade mm. people, um, mm. which I'm, which I'm grateful that you and I, you and I both have, and we've learned and we've developed mm. over the years, but I think the ability to persuade people, um, which is in, in, important in, in sales is something that I would go hard on, you know, the ability mm. to, you know, be able to say things in a way that, you know, takes your customers, that handles your customers' objections so that they don't have the power to object. Do you mm. get what I mean? It's like taking the bullets out of a gun. You know mm. that they're going to shoot at you, but you've, you've emptied their cartridge. They, they, they're, they're shooting blanks. So when you, when you lay it on them, they've got blanks. They've got nothing because you've, mm. you've looked at it. You've, you've seen every potential outcome, every, look, every possible uh, contingency answered all those questions in your mind and brought it to them before they even have an objection. So that the only way they can go from there is just to simply say, yes. You know, mm -hmm. so for me, that's a skill that I would over-index in. And of course, the, the capacity to be incredibly disciplined. I think that a lot of people have great talent, but a lot of people are poor at discipline. You know, mm. um, they don't have that staying power. You know, you, you post a picture on Instagram, you get two likes, you get upset, you stop doing you, you say you never do it again. You mm. know what I mean? Or you, you do something, you go live, for example, on whatever streaming platform, and you don't get any results. You get upset, you get offended, you say you're never doing it again. I think a lot of people are too lily-livered, yellow-bellied, chicken-hearted. Mm. 
They don't have that staying power of discipline to, you know, to keep doing the work, to keep grinding. I mean, Paul, I mean, I look at you and I, I truly respect you because you're one of the one of the most profound knowledge workers I know. And, and it's not just knowledge workers from the place of what we do as coaches and entrepreneurs. It's the fact that you're, you're devoted daily to discipline. I see the books you read up, you know, you're the one who got me started on certain thought leaders that I've been privileged to share, to share stages with. You yes, are the one Bre Brendan Bouchard. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? So you, you put me on that. You, 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 you saw, you know, you saw something inside of me like, bro, I think you need to listen to this guy. And I started listening. You would, you would bring books my way. You're constantly evolving and honing your craft. So you, you, you really are a master and, you know, I've never seen you without a book. Do you go? I mean, the first time I literally met you in Port Harcourt. You <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank no, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's, that's so, far. Yeah, that's... So, so, so that's what I would say. Then if I had to think about hiring staff again. Yes, because I mean, um, there are people who are watching us. What, they want to start a business now. Or they made the wrong eye. And that is their problem right now. If you are to hire, if you are if you are speaking to a, a business person now, which role should they hire first, and why? Mm. That's a tough question. Um, for me, uh, it may be a little counterintuitive, but for me, I would hire an executive assistant first. Mm, that's very powerful. I would hire, I would hire because that keeps you very organized. Assistant. Mm. Yes, I, I would do that because I think a lot of entrepreneurs are scatterbrained. Mm. You know what I mean? They don't have, they're not accountable to anyone, so there's no structure to to govern them. So mm. they, they they just leap in different directions and do whatever they want without someone who's so to speak. I like that. Puts, I, just holding them like over. Oh, this is a reminder. Mm. I need you to stay on stay on task here. Um, because yes, I know we can hire marketers and operations staff and all those things to move our business forward. But if you don't have somebody who moves you forward, <laughs> you know, if you don't have somebody who you can keep, who just wow, who helps you just steer the ship a little. Never bit, saw it this way. You know, mm. yeah. For me, that's that's the first role I would this hire. The second role I would hire. Powerful. Mm. Yeah. The second role I would hire is a coach, and I'm not saying it because I'm a coach myself, or you and I are coaches. But to be honest, that's. That's that's the second role you're going to need. No boxer, no athlete goes into competitive sports without a coach. Mm. The coach may mm. not be able to run the way you run, but he can tweak your he can tweak your strategy, he can tweak your routine, he can do mm. something to your thinking that causes you to see bigger and better. You know what I mean? We get the privilege of doing this for for many organizations and individuals as well. And it's 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 amazing. Like yesterday I had a I had a uh, one hour uh, strategy session with a very a coach here in the US fantastic guy and you know he had been you know doing his business and he had been doing pretty good and in one hour of strategy with him he realized that he had the reason he had a bit of challenges with his marketing was because he had a messaging problem and in one hour Paul we crafted his messaging changed mm -hmm. his marketing changed his positioning you know that's what a coach does yeah, you know, because a lot of us as entrepreneurs, we're shadow boxing. We're you know we're going through the motions, but we're not hitting anything. But externally, people look at us like we're working hard because we're we're doing the motions. We're sweating. Mm. We're mm. grinding. But you're not hitting anything. And a coach mm. helps you hit something. A coach would just say, "Oh no, your technique is off." You know, like when you play golf. I play golf a little bit now. Mm. You know, they will say to you that, "Oh, you know, it's just a little, maybe a tiny little tweak, and the ball 
will be able to get exactly where you want to. Because initially, when you're when you're playing golf, it's just it's about strength. In, mm. in, in your mind, you think it's the harder you whack it, mm. the further the ball will go. But after a while, it's no longer about strength. It's about technique. It's about form. It's about angles. And all of a sudden, those little minute tweaks, you now recognize that you're not even working as hard. You're not exerting as much energy. You're not whacking as hard, but you're a lot more effective. And mm. I think those two roles would be the, the first two roles for me, a coach and an executive assistant. That's so, very, yeah. very, very powerful. I mean, I was taking a walk this morning and as at yesterday, I got a few clients that say, send us this, send us this, send us that. So I just picked up my phone. I dropped like two voice notes to my, like you said, executive assistant in Lagos. Yeah. Send me, craft this proposal do this thing, do this, do this. And that frees the entrepreneur to focus on the yeah. other bigger picture. So I think that yeah. is, that is very, 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 very powerful. All right. Uh, Steve, you spoke at Kajabi. I mean, anybody who's in the thought leadership space, you know, that Kajabi is the biggest platform. I, can I call that an e-commerce platform now? But you know, it's where, For the lack of number, yeah, you can call yes. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, uh, it's like the Shopify of the, of thought leadership space is massive. You know, recently spoke at their conference in the United States of America. And I remember when you attended that conference as a participant. Yeah. When you got back from Lagos, you actually said, you wrote it down. It was on Instagram or something. You said, I'm going to speak yeah. at this conference. You said yeah. that. And um, now we circle back later on. This year, you spoke at the conference. And I love what the lady said before she introduced you. I was very excited about that. You actually took Thank a you, picture bro. of yourself. And then you declare that this was going to happen. Walk us through about the power of, you know, picturing your, your dreams first and taking action to back it up, to make it a reality. Because you just exemplified that with that. Yeah. Um, thanks, man. Thank you. So thank you for the um, support as always. Um, for me, that was like a big, it was a dream come true because um, I'd gone to this event and I was totally blown away. But, you know, Paul, there's that thing inside him. You know, maybe it's a Nigerian thing or maybe it's a Steve Harris thing, but I know that it's a Steve Harris and Paul Full thing. We have mm. audacity. Mm. We're very audacious. And there's some there's something inside of me that knows that I am the best literally at what I do. Mm. Um and when I got into the, the those rooms and I was listening to people who were amazing, I just kept saying, Is that all? Like mm. that's it. Like, okay, that's it. I can do better. You know what I mean? I can do better. I should be on the stage. And there was that place of audacity because I kept, no disrespect to anyone, but I kept, I recognized that I was as good, if not better, than mm. a lot of people on the stage. But again, you know, you have to prove it. You know what I mean? Mm. You've got to be able to back it up. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, when the event was done, I took a picture and I said to myself, I was going to be the first, you know, black speaker. And I said, if I can be the first black speaker, I'll be the first African. If I can be the first African, I'll be the first Nigerian on that stage. It doesn't matter. I don't care, but I'm going to be on that stage. Mm. It took me about four years. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you, you talked about taking steps. And I think a lot of people are just caught up yeah. in their imagination and they don't, they don't, they don't take responsibility. You know, you know, you know, as motivational speakers, we, 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 we like to come up with cliches, but if you, if you break the word up, imagination, there's imagine and then there's nation. And you know, the thing mm -hmm. about a nation, Paul is, a nation is a government. So the nation is a system. A nation has order. Mm. A nation has foreign yes. policy, domestic policy. It has a military. It has education, so on and so forth. So forth. So with your imagination, your camera is off. With your imagination, is it off again? 
I know I know how to fix it this time around, but just yes, just go right. ahead. Um go ahead. It's back on now, right? I don't know why this is happening. Oh my goodness. Is it on? Don't worry, just just go ahead, just go ahead. I can do the video. Uh we, we can do the audio, we can continue with the audio. It will sort itself up. Just go ahead, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so a nation has order, it's got systems, it's got structure, you know, so in your, in, in your imagination, in the nation part of your imagination, you have to educate yourself, right? There's an education yeah. department, there's an education ministry, you must educate yourself. There's a domestic policy um, part of the nation, which is reaching out to businesses and you know sorts of people in your domestic area there's foreign policy yeah. your, your camera is back there's foreign policy oh, and foreign yeah. policy is reaching out to a more global outlook right there's yeah. military there's structure and order and i say all these yeah. things to say that a lot of us are just caught up in the imagination imagination part of our the, the image mm. part of our goals but there's no system in order. There's no foreign policy. There's no domestic policy. There's no education. There's no order. So I'll give you a real example. So even though I had this vision and I'd visualized and I'd printed the picture, I put it on my Instagram, I put it on my in my in my room, in my home that I was going to speak on this platform, I needed yeah. to take steps, right? Mm. So what did I do? I I, I, I I engaged in foreign policy because at the time I was in, you know, um, when I first interacted with them, I was in Nigeria. And they were in the U.S. That was foreign policy. I'd reached yeah. out to them and, you know, we had tried a few things. You know, unfortunately, I mean, the first opportunity I got to be a part of a virtual panel that they were doing. I was in Benin City in those days. I was like, I had gone there for um, some contract work, consulting work, and the Internet was bad, Paul. I cried. Mm. I cried. Like, I, this is my first opportunity to be on this global platform at the Internet in Nigeria. Wow. I cried. It, I just cried, you know, because I couldn't connect. They couldn't see me. It was just terrible, right? Mm. Anyway, long story short, by the time I moved over here to the U.S., it now became my domestic policy. So my domestic policy was now to reach out to them because now we're in the same geography. Yes. And I, I, I felt led to send them an email. Like God said to me, like you know, send them an email, reach out to them. And and my 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 limiting beliefs came in, like, ah, huh, you know, will they agree? Can I handle the the rejection from you know from them saying no? What if they say I'm not good enough? You know, yada. yada. So I had to deal with all those things subconsciously. Mm. But I asked myself, what's the worst that could happen? I just need one. That's, yes. that's the most powerful so question to ask. Yeah, what's mm. the worst that could happen? Nothing. It can't. Well, they, it, it will bruise my ego for a bit, but I'll come back stronger. I'll be like all of you, your father. I'm better than mm. all you guys. I'm coming mm. back. That's what I will do. Mm. That's that's Steve Harris. But I send them this email and and I said to them because I because Paul, this is the thing, especially for those of us who migrate from other countries and come to live in the West, particularly. Mm. Um, sometimes we feel that sense of inferiority because we feel like, you know, you know how you, we've heard stories that when you, you know, let's say you were educated in Nigeria and you, you, you mm. want to come and work in, in the U.S. or something, they'll tell you that your degree wasn't good enough because you came mm. from a mm. poor mm. school or whatever. Your school, your degree is not recognized globally. Mm. And subconsciously, there's that thing where you feel like your skills are only good on a local level, but they're not mm. good on a global level global mm. level. And I, I think one of the things and you've talked about this, I've heard you mention this several times, is your ability to storytell your legend. Yes. yes. We don't know how to tell our stories, man, Paul. Mm. We don't know how to amplify how amazing we are. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, no disrespect to many thought leaders in the West, 
Paul, you and I have sold out capacity crowds back home yes. in Nigeria. We've yes. got thousands yes. of people yes. who listen to us. Our, even, even when we think about our Instagram followers, even though that's, you know, whatever. But my point is we've done things that even people here in the West cannot even dream of. But mm. subconsciously, because we feel like, oh, the U.S. or the U.K., are the bastions of knowledge and significance and everybody who we've been inspired by comes from these demographics. Oh, yeah, yeah, what are we yeah. going to say to John Maxwell? You know, mm. what are you going to say? You've read John Maxwell's book. What are you going to say if, if John Maxwell's mm. going to listen to you? So we feel a little bit intimidated, but you know, we've got to learn how to storytell your, your legend. You've got to learn mm. how to position yourself because positioning increases your perception, Paul. Mm, mm. Right. A lot. So anyway, long a story lot. short, I wrote them this, I wrote the, I wrote them this, um, amazing email and i just show them how amazing i am in terms of well i've done this in africa i've done this and this and i think i think um you guys i think it will be a great benefit this is what i said i think it will be a great benefit to have me as one of your speakers at any of the events that you might be having because i also come mm. with a very large african american african and african american um a community and i think that they would also be well served by the knowledge that i bring on this stage yes yes oh, oh boy when they read my email because you know, Seth, so you speak English. When I when, yes. they, when they read my email, they're like, "Oh my God, Steve, let's have a conversation." Mm. And within fifteen minutes, with the with the head of sponsorships, the lady was like, "Oh my God, Steve, we must have you on this platform." I'm I mean, so yeah. that's what it mm. was. To mm. go and that's what it is. So so I think people, it's that grit and grind. It's that hustle power. It's that you know that you 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 recognize that you belong on the world stages mm. we belong on the world stages you and i are proof positive because we're doing it we're doing it yeah. when it's afraid but we belong yes. on the world stages and i've always yes. said if, if nigerians or africans can buy from americans especially in the area of thought leadership if they can buy yes. american courses then americans yes. can buy courses from nigerians Do you yes. know what i'm saying Yes. So, so our skills are just as valid. So, yeah, that's 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 wow. Really that's what that's I did. very very powerful. I like that outreach. I mean, I was listening to a lady once. She was, she's a she's a published author with Penguin. She said she actually reached out to Penguin. She sent them the DM. Mm. She sent them the message. Many people have this thing in their head, just like you, but like you said, their self-limiting belief just incapacitates them. They don't even make the move at all, at all, and because of that. They didn't. They don't see, you know, the possibilities of what may happen, you know, if, if they had tried. Mm. Now you've written books. You are you are an established author. What role has writing played in your success, in your growth, in terms of attracting new opportunities to you, bringing in leads, in, increasing your brand equity? What role has that played for you as an author? Um. You can't have authority without being an author. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't have authority without being a, uh, without mm. being an author. Because again, even the word authority, the first few letters is the is the word author. Author, yes. Do you get what I mean? I so, like that. So for me, authorship writing has cemented my positioning as an author. And I remember the very first book I wrote was, you know, because again, like I said, it, it's not what you don't have that limits you. It's what you have, but you don't know how to use. Mm. And, you know, a lot of us as thought leaders want to write about stuff that makes us sound profound and mm. privileged and have all these deep revelation of understanding mm. as we have not experienced. But we mm. want to be perceived like as an authority, as a coach. Mm. Well, bro, man, I, I, I wrote about my experiences. So my first book was um, about my dropping out of school yes, story. School, yes, so that was a powerful book. Yeah. That was a powerful book. 
That book yeah, changed your life. Sorry, sorry. That book changed is, the trajectory of your life. It, it changed it your is, life. That story I, I, resonated with a lot of people. People could connect yeah. at deeper levels. Even if those that finished school, they could connect about areas of their life that people that they got rejected. I, I mean, the yeah. book was deep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I wrote that book from college dropouts to corporate sellouts. Sellouts. Yeah. <laughs> because, because, yeah. Yeah. Because again, it's just positioning. But, you know, I, I think I was very um, humble enough to recognize that I couldn't write about my success because I didn't have too much success at that time. Mm. Um, so I started writing about my failure because again, you know how it is a lot of motivational speakers in that's our time in our era about 10, 10 years ago at that time. Um, we're always talking about their success, you know, their success is the cars they had, the, things yes, they were yes. doing, the money they were yes. making. I didn't have the cars. I didn't have the money. I didn't have nothing. Mm. I just, okay, well, I have a great relationship with failure and mm. this is how I've come out of this failure. <laughs> Do you, do you get, I like that. I have a great relationship with failure. So let me tell you about that. I, I hope my failures will inspire you to succeed. That was just my message. Mm. Like, listen, let me share my failure. I'm hoping that one day my failure will inspire you to succeed. You know, I may not have the bells and whistles, the cars, the plenty of money. I'm on my way there, but look at where I've come from. I think where I've mm. come from. And just like you said, a lot of people resonated with that because show me somebody who hasn't failed in anything. Show me somebody. You know, mm. So a lot of people could, could share my, my story of struggle. Yes. You know what I mean? Because yes. they, even if they, if they didn't have educational challenges or get kicked out of school, like I did, I, I, I was getting emails and letters from people who had, who had a brother who dropped out of school or who had a sister that was strung out of crack. I would get messages from parents who would call me to talk to their children who are going through what I've gone through. So I became wow. this reference point. Wow. You know? And, and and because you know and because they looked at me and my outlook was you know this guy's very positive this guy's pretty charismatic yeah communicate very well and was incredibly relatable you know that just boom just shifted my position and i became literally like the darling of many organizations and many um other even faith-based organizations or even campus campuses and universities and colleges who would invite me to share my story and just like you mm. said you know my failure um was such a resounding point but you know for me it was it wasn't like oh i dropped out of school what was me it's like i dropped out of school but this is what i'm going to make it wow this is this is why i'm going wow. to be better you know this mm. is you have no excuses you know what i'm saying so i'm like listen i may I, you know i don't have a first class second class third class i've got no class and because i've got no class i am going to determine the outcome of my life and, and this mm. is one of the things that inspires me paul you know i always say that if I could ever meet Steve Harris in a, in a different multiverse, you know, now we're talking about multiverses and stuff mm. like that. But if I could ever meet a Steve Harris from a different timeline or multiverse, I wish I want that guy to look at me and wish he was me. Mm. Do you get what I mean? I want, to, I want him to look at me and, and wish he was me. Like, oh my God, I wish I had your life. Now, the life I have may not be plenty, plenty fancy cars and Bugattis. I don't have those yet and private jets, perhaps someday. Um, but I wanted to look at the kind of quality of life that I have in terms of a loving family, in terms of the impact I've been able to make, in terms of a yeah. good name that I believe is better than riches, in mm. terms of, you know, doing some really good stuff and just being a blessing, I hope. I want that guy to look at my life and feel like, oh, my God, I wish I had Steve's life. Right. Mm. So being an author, you can't you can't you can't mess with that. And since then, I've written two other books, you know, from you know, from friend to fiance, uh, yeah. um, honey, why are we poor? My, my books yeah. in total, Paul, 
um, have sold over 20,000 physical copies. That's, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's for us that are self-published authors. Or, yes, you know, yes, you, you exactly. Know, you know sold more books than me, Paul. Because you, you, know, you, <laughs> you sold more books than me, right? That's, that's powerful. The you average know, author doesn't sell up to 500 copies of their books. Exactly. Exactly. So you're in the top one, so one, 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 one percent. That's huge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when you sell and the good thing about the book business is that yeah. you write once and then you earn forever. You you earn forever, man. So, yeah. so yeah, so that does help cement your authority. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, Steve, this has been a very, very fascinating conversation. What? Fascinating, 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 fascinating you, conversation. You're the, you're the one coming up with all the, all the questions. That's a quality of questions. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating conversation. So, Steve, though, the last question I want to ask you before I let you go, because I know that you're a very, very busy, busy man. What is one or two things that used to be true for you then, but it's no longer true for you again? I'm just thinking of the top of my head. For example, you used to send out hmm. proposals every now and then to get a customer. But what is, what is one thing that used to be true for you? I remember once you made a statement once when Lecky, you were sending out proposals. You were, you, were, you were actually enveloping the proposals, packing them and sending to a company. I can't forget yeah. that something. You said, ah, Paul, the more proposals you send, the more you leave poverty, the more poverty will leave you. Something like that. There's, there's way you, you use, you know, you yeah. have to come up with yeah. these aphorisms, you know those words. So what is it mm-hmm. that, that used to be true for you then? That is no longer true for you again right now or it's in the process of not being concretely true for you like it used to be um you know it's quite interesting that you even mentioned this um, um example of doing those proposals and just just like you said i think what is no longer true for me is even that statement to be honest um, mm. I don't think, I don't think now it's about the number of proposals you sent. I think it's, I think now it's about the number of people that need you. Mm. Because you know when you send proposals, you come from a place that you need them. Mm. But when they send you emails, they come mm. from a place that they need you. Yeah. So I think it's 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 going from customer acquisition, which is in my opinion sending proposals, and there's nothing wrong with that. So please don't do mm. it. Right, from going from customer acquisition, it to keeps now the momentum. It, it starts it the rocket. Keeps, it just keeps it. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know what I mean? So there's a place for customer acquisition, but now what is no what is no longer true? Where I've now gone to is now a place of customer attraction. Mm. So I'm now so I'm now in that place where I am attracting the clients I want to come and meet me. So I'm mm. not I'm not chasing you. I'm not. I you know I have the power to walk away from you. Do you mm. get what I mean? But I'm now in that place where. It's no longer about the volume. I mean, Paul, there was one year, because I remember I, we did the math. I, we sent out 1,307. We sent out proposals to 1,378 clients in one year. Oh, that's serious. I did volume. the math. I did the volume. I did the math, 1,378. And I just simply said, I just need 0.1% of them mm. to close. I just need to close. I don't need one. I just need 0.1% of them to close mm. them. And I'll be fine for a year. You know what I mean? Because I needed that volume. So I yeah. looked at different industries. I looked at them, sent them all proposals, did everything. But yes, and that, that, that helps because it builds capacity, builds character, builds, it puts you in the mind of your clients to some degree. Yeah. But I think now what is no longer true or what is now true for me is the fact that I've come into a place of positioning mm. where I'm now attracting the kind of clients that want to work with me. Do mm. you get what I mean? And then when they want to work with me, they do things 
on my on my terms. So, yeah. for example, I'm in the U.S. and I'm in a totally different time zone from somebody, for example, in Nigeria. Yeah. You get what I mean? I will not. So, let's say they want to have a meeting by 9 a.m. I will not be up because mm. it will be 3 a.m. my time. I'm not mm. going to get up from my bed at 3 a.m. to have a, a conversation with you. You will do that. You want me? You will do that meeting when I am awake. So, shift it. This mm. is the time I'm available. Let's have this meeting at such so, so time. You, you get what I mean? Because now, yeah. my, you know, my I'm global. You know, I'm mm. global. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in that place where my positioning, I'm, my positioning is changing. My perception is changing, and my price has changed. Mm. Do you get what I mean? So now I get a lot more. Oh, um, please, can we have a meeting with Steve? Or you know, we would like to have this is Steve available. And if I'm not available, oh, you guys can do business with my company because my company is mm. still running. Right, mm. but you now pay a premium to have Steve Harris if you want him there, and the companies mm. are paying premium. So for me, that is not exactly true anymore. It's it's perhaps something that I've evolved evolved with. Um, wow. The second thing that I would say that um, has changed for me is, and I and I, I gave this example on Instagram. I remember you know leaving, having the conversation with God really um, about leaving Nigeria because I did feel that sense again that it was time to move. I didn't mm. want to because, you know, Paul, we're incredibly successful in Nigeria. We're doing mm. very, very well, mm. right? We're, we're in the top 1% of the 1% of yes. our industry. Yes. Yes. We had a lot, we have a lot of influence, a lot of income, a lot of impact. And I was comfortable with that, but I felt God asking me to move to the U.S. in particular. And I remember having that conversation with him and I said to him, Lord, you know, in Nigeria, I'm a big fish in a small pond. Mm. And in, if I move to the U.S., I will be a small fish in a big pond because there are all mm. these other bigger fishes there. Right, I'll be a small fish in a big pond. And I remember God saying to me, who said you're the fish? Who said you're the fish? And he said to me that you are the water. Mm. And for me, that became a huge paradigm shift because the water doesn't change. The, mm. the, the water doesn't change in size or anything. You know, the, the size of the fish can change, but the water remains constant. Mm. And the water is a platform. Mm. The water is an environment. And God was telling mm. me that your environment, you you are the environment, you are the platform. You will not change. You are still the same guy. You know, because again, you remember those stories that we would hear a, 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 a lizard in Nigeria can never be an alligator. Oh, good that in, in America, yeah. yeah. In America, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes you can. <laughs> yes, you can, you know. Um, so perhaps that for me is something that I'm also evolving I recognize that I don't know it all. I'm humble enough to learn, you know, from great guys like yourself who still inspire me. Forget the fact that me and you are bros and me and you are colleagues and contemporaries. I, I'm incredibly inspired by your work ethic. Paul wow, does thank not you. have an off switch. <laughs> uh, listen, listeners, for real though, Paul Foe does not have an off switch. And just like me, but Paul doesn't have an off switch. Paul is Paul is constantly on the go. Paul, Paul. Paul is moving his message and his marketing. And I see the people that have been inspired by you and the results, because I see the results. Because again, you can't be the king of sales without results, man. And Paul Ford yeah. has results. And when I see the things that Paul is doing, coaching people across different industries, real estate, marketing, banking, individuals, and they're getting life-changing results. I'm like, this is, this is a guy that is, he's owned his craft. He's a sales master. He's like a master sales coach. Yeah. Right. And if you're if you're watching or you're listening to this, please, 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 please subscribe to whatever Paul Fo has. If he's selling paper, trust me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. I'm very grateful. Thanks, Steve. Uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. So where should we lead people to? If they want, if they want to get get more wisdom from you, more knowledge from you, 
Is it Instagram? Is it at I am Steve Harris? That's the Instagram. Correct. Yeah, in fact, correct. you actually you actually yeah, made the you actually made the I am very popular in Nigeria at, at some point. Everybody yeah, was, yeah, was I am Bangoli Williams. <laughs> I am this. I say hey. <laughs> Just to let you know that there's only one. I am, you know. Again, oh my this, goodness! This, yeah. This, God, yeah. God introduced himself as I am. So yeah. You know, like, this is it. Super, super, super. I'm I'm gonna put his Instagram handle in the in the, in the show notes, and your book is on Amazon. So I'm gonna put the book in the show notes as well in the podcast. So thank you all for yeah. coming. Thank you, Steve. This has been a fantastic conversation. Please, those of you watching this on Instagram, sorry, on um spotify listen to this on spotify click on the subscribe button write a comment and tell me what you think about the episode and click on that subscribe button We're watching this on youtube uh, uh smash that red button that subscribe button and i'll talk to you next week with another fascinating 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 guest uh this has been good 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 steve oh my god man